Hello, and welcome to the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us. Today's message is here to help you preach the good news everywhere in your day-to-day life. Here at Covenant Fellowship, we accomplish this by encountering God, loving people, and serving others with everything we've got. Now let's dive in. All right, we are finishing up a series, and I'm going to finish it up quickly this morning. It's called Unmasked. In the first message, we unmasked the devil to help you to understand he's not as scary as you think he is. Oh, outside of Jesus and outside of the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, he's pretty intimidating, okay? But as a child of God, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Last week, we used the thought unmasking God as though, now I understand God can't be masked because he's too big for that, but the culture and 21st century Christianity can tend to sometimes paint a picture or mask God, if you will, to be something that he's not, like the big fluff in the sky, the genie that you rub only when you're in trouble to get you out of your stuff rather than him being the awesome, awe-inspiring, powerful, all at the same time terrifying, all at the same time loving and gracious, but at the same time the judge of all the earth. I made a statement last week that people, I saw the look on your face when I said, Jesus didn't come to save you from the devil. He came to save you from the vengeance of the Father. And some people don't recognize that, that, that's, that he's, because God says that he's going to judge all sin. And how you get out of the judgment of God is that you put your faith in Jesus and believe that he bore your sin for you on the cross and that you don't follow sin, you follow after the ways of the Lord. If not, you find yourself staring in the face of the judgment of God. And the Bible says, as I read to you last week, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the judgment of God. Can you say amen to that? Today, I want to unmask people. So let's finish up today. I want you to join me in the book of Acts real quickly. And if you'll stand for the reading of God's word, because I know you've been sitting for just a couple of minutes, and if you get too comfortable, you'll go to sleep. Are you ready for the word of God? Say amen. But there was a certain man called Simon, verse 9, this is where we're starting, a, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and was astonished and had astonished the people of Samaria, claiming, to, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest. This man is the great power of God, they said. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he was preaching the things concerning the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Check this out. And Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. 
Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They, were only, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. How I many of you know that shows that there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost for you after you're saved? Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Watch this. And when Simon saw through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. You need to touch your neighbor and tell them that God will not sell out that cheap. Saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I may lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Now, remember, he believed and was baptized. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought. How many of you know sometimes your thinking can be jacked up? You thought that the gift of God was purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thoughts of your heart may be forgiven you. How many know your thinking matters? For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound up by iniquity. Simon answered and said to him, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. How I many nobody else can repent for you? Mm. How I many no water didn't do it for him? I'm going to say this. How I many know even believing didn't do it for him? Amen's got a little less right there. Now, you're reading the scripture with this. This is coming straight from the Bible. I want you to take for just a couple seconds and pray with me, and let's ask God to speak to our hearts and change our lives. Father, I love you. Father, I'm reminded of the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. I want to see you. Open the eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our understanding that we may be enlightened today by the good word of God. I thank you for it. I give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Simon, who was a man of Samaria, a self-proclaimed spiritual leader with a great following, is at one of the greatest revivals recorded in the New Testament. In the town of Samaria. Jesus taught that when he gave the gift of the Holy Spirit. And people would be empowered. That they would receive power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. And now this thing had spread to Samaria. And they were going to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when they get there. It's, it's Philip. Philip was one of the seven deacons. That first was a deacon who then became a powerful evangelist, went down to Samaria and began to preach the gospel to them. 
The Bible says that many men and women and even the kids believed this, the things that Philip was preaching about the kingdom. And they believed and then he was having a baptismal service like we're having today. And people were getting in the water and this guy named Simon, his name actually was Simon Magna. He received the last part of his name, Magna, but, and that, again, self-proclaimed because of his personal magnificence. The things that he was doing, it so stunned the people. The sorceries, the scripture says, but in the preaching of the gospel, people really begin to see the power of God. Not a dog and pony show, but the true power of God. The Bible says the miracles that were happening, they were seeing the blind eyes open, the deaf ears to hear, and seeing people get demons cast out of them, and the power of God was happening. But this man, he sees all of this stuff, and he decides, I'm going to believe. Maybe he come under conviction, I don't know, but the Bible says, your Bible says that he believed I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe in Jesus? Say amen if you do. That's one good thing, but I'm going to share something with you. It comes from James chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. The Bible says you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead. I needed to follow up the statement of do you believe because the Bible does say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But 21st century American Christian idea of believe is thought. The Bible function of believe is be live. Be and live, which is where the word English word comes actually means be live, a compound word, not a thought in your head, but a life that's lived. And the Bible says that we're to believe on him, but James says here's what belief looks like. Belief looks like faith with works. Come on, somebody. I know you're not saved by your works, but you are saved to work. Come on. I need you to understand that. This guy believed, but his works were going to be tested. Was his works tested when the waters came about? Well, maybe, maybe not. Because when you're in the, when you're in the midst of like church service like this, it's easy to fill the moment and jump in the water. Can you say amen to that? You can feel the moment. And when you're amidst all your buddies and friends and church people, it's easy to get into baptismal waters. When people are around cheering you on, it's easy to follow that path. And so here he was. He not only believed, but he was willing to get in the water. Nothing wrong with getting in the water because Jesus taught the disciples to make sure that you're baptizing people. You want to know your first step when you get saved? Get in the water. Get baptized. Matthew 28 and 19 tells us to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them 
in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. And so that's what we set out to do today is give everybody the opportunity to follow Jesus Christ in the way that we're supposed to, to believe on him authentically as well as follow him practically. But again, that's what this guy done. That's what he done. But what is it? It, it? There's something about the move of the Holy Spirit that will begin to somehow just separate authenticity for you. Many, any people can get in, anybody can just about get in a pool of water. You do it every day. Some of you only on Saturdays, but how many of y'all heard bath days on Saturday? You do it every day. Not a big deal to get in the water. It's just water, and we've even got this one warm for you. So if you're feeling chilly, it's a good place to warm up. There's water available. But the water's not the big deal. It is to authentically come into alignment with heaven and the ways of God. And so in the expression of faith, it's not do you believe in Jesus as a thought. It's not do you go into water as a sacrament. It is, are there a level of authenticity whereby you can see the reality of your heart is changed before God and when the Spirit of God is moving and authenticity is called for, will you respond with personal ideas and personal identities or will you respond in the God way? I believe that if you really meet the authentic Jesus, there's an opportunity for you to truly be changed. But how many know Judas met the authentic Jesus and he wasn't forever changed? And apparently in the preaching of the gospel of, 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 of Philip here, many people experience the authenticity of God. And, but here's the deal, Simon the sorcerer, somehow internally didn't change. And so quite possibly for a while, the Bible says after that Peter and John came down and the Holy Spirit started giving, he followed them around. Something about their ministry, something about the change, or maybe he was just jealous. And they're able to follow him around, or he would follow them around for a little while, but possibly he had on the mask. I ain't putting this thing on my head. I ain't claustrophobically preaching today. A little bit spooky. I'm going to just hold it over. I'm not here trying to act a fool, and I'm not here to try to be funny. I'm here to say how many people have said, I believe in Jesus. How many people have gone through the motions? How many times have we sung songs? How many times have we done things that it, it, it seems right on the surface, but underneath there's something different? Really at the heart level, there's something different. People come to church and put on a show. How many of y'all heard that before? People come to church and put on a show. What does the show look like? It's the show of really I am who I say I am, but God knows the difference. 
I want to see you authentically encounter the things of God because to put on a show is such a tragic thing. To put on a show will keep you away from the true presence and power of God. You'll watch people getting touched of God, and if you're not careful because you don't know it, you'll be making fun of their authentic encounter with God. You'll think yourself that there's something wrong. Have you ever seen somebody coming to church making fun of somebody else's encounter with God? That ought to be a telltale sign. Of something is awry here. Something's going on inside. There's a move of God that's happening, and somehow they see that... It, Listen, the Holy Spirit's impartation is not something that's invisible only. In other words, Simon the sorcerer sees that when John and Peter lay their hands on somebody, there is something so physical manifesting. I believe they're speaking in tongues. I believe that they are being touched by the power of God. Some of them might even be slain in the spirit. Woo, slain in the spirit. Yeah, the power of God coming upon somebody so strong that they're unable to stand under that kind of glory and power and presence. Something about what they were seeing, what he was seeing caused him to say if just the simplicity of laying your hands on somebody that kind of demonstration happens that's what I want but how many know God's able to see the intent of the heart you know if he would have ever heard the story of Ananias and Sapphira he'd have probably second thought second guessed himself right there because the story of Ananias and Sapphira was two people that tried to lie about money their lack of inauthenticity. Is that a word? It's not. I made it up today. Look in my dictionary. I'll tell you what it means. The fact that they are not authentic. Sounds like that to me anyway. Man, sometimes it's tough teaching in front of te or preach in front of teachers and Bible scholars and doctors and lawyers and People that say, you gotta, you got to have your stuff. The point being is that they weren't authentic, and it cost them their life. And here this guy, he's not being authentic. And the fact that he's not being authentic winds up costing him a rebuke at this particular point that he's willing to say, just you pray for me. I know I don't have it all together, but you pray for me. Nothing wrong with somebody praying for you. Nothing wrong with somebody laying hands on you. But until you get it right before God, you can go through, you can walk through enough prayer lines and put enough oil on your head till you look like a greasy pig in a county fair but stay the same. A prayer line's not going to get it done for you. Come on. And I believe in the impartation praying for laying on of hands. But until your heart gets tender before God and gets right before God, a lot of things can happen. i got to finish right quick. So here's what we find out. Repentance is still right. Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 20 says, Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. I love that. So... They're, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God is moving in this service. And this guy has a chance. 
He's seeing miracles. He's seeing signs. He's seeing wonders. He, he, his mind says, okay, I believe in Jesus. He, he says, okay, water is required of me to go in. But what is that thing? What is it that's inside of me that keeps wanting me to cheapen down God and not be authentic with the Lord? I'd love to tell you that after that point, this man, Simon Magnus, had such an encounter with God. But if you do any research behind him, he goes on and starts a religion of Gnosticism. Do you know what Gnosticism is? It is personal spirituality based on personal knowledge, not on biblical knowledge. Sometimes I wonder if we're not full of Gnostic ideologies. It's what we want to believe about God rather than what's actually revealed about God. See, without proper understanding of the Word of God, without proper orthodoxy, we don't like that word, right? Proper orthodoxy. That means teaching, line upon line, precept upon. Without proper orthodoxy, you can't have proper orthopraxy. You don't practice it right if you don't know it right. If you don't know it right, you won't get it right. So he starts a religion and people were persuaded to follow this guy. I could only imagine some of his stories. What makes this Peter and John so special? And so how do they have more revelation of spiritual things than us, than me? I know the same God. He loves me just the same. How many know every lie has to have a hint of truth in it? Just because God loves you doesn't mean he approves. Just because God's willing to send his son to die for you doesn't make you automatically saved. Simon Magnus goes on and the legend says that he goes to trial in Rome against the apostles when they were brought before the Roman emperor Nero. He goes to testify against Peter. He goes to testify against these apostles. But while he was in Rome, he went to one of the Roman forums and trying to prove himself to the people of Rome to demonstrate that he could fly, fell off of the Roman capital and died. What a shame. Worship team, will you come back? What a shame. What a shame. He had an opportunity in one of the greatest moves of God in the history of Samaria. What a shame. God was moving in one of the greatest moves of God that we read in the New Testament. Miracles, signs, and wonders were present. People were being saved by the thousands. The Holy Spirit was being imparted. The apostles themselves comes to visit, and this one man decides... That's not what I want.
He tried to put it together for a little while, but he eventually was found out. Could his mask mask shadow motives? Let me ask you, and I want you to be very, very honest today. We're trying to unmask. We're trying to take the mask off. Again, I want you to take any mask off that might be what you put on so that people think of you differently. You know, in the season of Halloween, people put on the masks, personifying, portraying the Flintstones or whatever else. Sometimes church people get upset at the world for masking up. Two doors down the Halloween store, the spirit store moved in. I couldn't believe it. They rented that place for three months. That's all. I found out what their rent price was, was $35,000 for three months. I thought, dear Lord. But in the past three months, I have seen traffic in and out of there like, oh, my goodness. So not only can they pay for rent at $35,000 and their overhead to stock an entire place, put shelves in it, stock the entire place, pay their employees and whatever else they have, their utilities, so on and so forth. So literally that just the setup of that store probably was in the neighborhood of $150,000. Just to sell costumes. To be ready for one day called Halloween. And again, they probably won't wear that costume every day. For some people... They think that that's the craziest thing ever, especially Christians. But I wonder how many of us put on a costume, a mask, and wear it every Sunday with a shadow motive. A shadow motive. What is a shadow motive? What is a shadow motive? It's something that's buried so deep so far within you don't see it readily because of the mask that's over top of the face something was wrong with this guy's heart maybe he was still attached to his sorcery maybe he was still wanting his own personal fame he wanted to buy this for money so that people would say man look at Simon see he really was all of that I don't know I don't know what your motive is for serving God I have no idea what I do know is the Lord wants authenticity what are you masking are you masking a jealous heart? Are you masking a bitter heart? Are you masking an unforgiving heart? Are you masking a hatred heart and despise? Are you masking an envious heart? Are you masking a lustful heart? What are we masking?
in this series, I feel like the Lord really was placing heavily on my heart to unmask some realities of the enemy, of who God is, and who we really are. Because here's what I believe God wants to do. I believe he wants to do something powerful, deep, and authentic. And what he wants to do in the earth, he needs authentic Christians that doesn't have shadow motives buried with inside of their heart for what he's trying to accomplish. See, I believe in the power of God, and I believe that if Simon's heart was authentic and he said, I, too, want to pray for people, that they would receive the power of God, that they would experience Jesus more fully, that they would go and preach the gospel and know who Jesus is and know the power of the kingdom of God, I would have believed, I believe with all of my heart that that story would be very different. But because there was a shadow motive buried with inside of his heart, at the moment that he requested, maybe he didn't even know it. Not that I'm not speaking ignorance of the fact of him not knowing what was in his heart, but maybe him not knowing that it's not about the exchange of money. It's about what's going on in your heart. And that wraps up this episode of the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. For more information about who we are, please visit us at cfbristol.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope that you have a blessed day. And as always, just like we find in Isaiah 60, verse 1, we hope you arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you.